Hey, this is Lori from Hike, where we explore, wander, and live. In this episode, I get a chance to explore the Oregon Desert Trail through trail coordinator Renee Patrick. Renee has through-hiked the Oregon Desert Trail as well as done the Triple Crown. So she's definitely an expert level hiker who's had a lot of long distance hiking experience. And she's going to share her thoughts about hiking the trail and even um, as technical as it is and complex, she offers advice that even a new person to hiking with the correct skills and definitely looking at the planning and sections that you might want to accomplish, you could experience the beauty of the Oregon Desert Trail and Eastern Oregon's High Desert as well. So for those of you who are interested in learning more, please check the show notes so that you can get access to the information and reach out to Onda with your questions about the trail. So take a listen. Hi, so I am here with Renee Patrick. She is the Oregon Desert Trail Coordinator for the Oregon Natural Desert Association, also known as ONDA. So hi, Renee. Hi there. So um, tell me, before we get into talking about the Oregon Desert Trail, because that's primarily what I wanted to chat with you about today, I want to first talk a little bit about you as a hiker and your hiking experience. Let's start with I had found out through our initial touch base that you had done the Triple Crown. So really interested in hearing more about your hiking. Yeah, I um, just realized this weekend, it's been 17 years since I set foot on my first long trail, which was the Appalachian Trail. So I kind of joke with friends um, that were OG hikers (laughs) back back in the day. But um, yeah, I, I... first read a book about the Appalachian Trail, having never heard of it before. I grew up in the Midwest and didn't have much, you know, experience with backpacking or hiking or any of it. So I read this book and was just completely enthralled by the idea of walking across the country one step at a time and what someone could accomplish through, through that effort. Um, so I set off in spring, first day of spring in 2002, um, wanting to do a through hike, not sure what would actually happen because I hadn't hiked before, backpacked, um, but ended up making it to Katahdin five months and two days later and just absolutely fell in love with um, the people I met, with the terrain I was able to see, with what my body was able to accomplish and how strong it became after every, walking all day. Um, so was just really excited to continue. Um, So over the years, I hiked, went and hiked the Pacific Crest Trail in 2006, and then finished the Triple Crown with the Continental Divide Trail in 2015. But in between all those hikes, um, I had to figure out how to have a job, how to make money. I hiked a lot of shorter trails, um, anything from 100 miles to 800 miles, including like the Wonderland Trail and the Arizona Trail and the Colorado Trail. And it really is just a lifestyle and a way of living. I want to hike as much as I can. 
So tell me a little bit about the draw of, of the long distance hike, because obviously you, you, that's, you've done a lot of them, right? I mean, even in the shorter ones, it's still, it's, it's not your typical, you know, day hike or weekend experience. So what's been the draw for you? I love the simplicity of it. Um, it distills life into very um, simple terms, what you can carry on your back, what you can you know accomplish on your feet um the relationships you form with hikers you go through some stressful sometimes stressful situations like hiking through the sierra with a high snow level or getting caught in a storm and those experiences can be quite intense and so you get to a deeper level of connection with someone you may have only met that very day, but you may have a tie now that's deeper than some friendships you've had for a long, long time. Um, it's just, it's life distilled to its very essence. Um, and I love it. So when you were doing your hikes, I mean, it sounds like you definitely made a lot of friends along the way, but when you started out, were you, you know, for the three major hikes, were you solo? Were you hiking with a group? So I started the Appalachian Trail with a good friend of mine, Cindy. We had actually um, been Peace Corps volunteers together. So that book I had read about the Appalachian Trail, um, I read in my village um, in Burkina Faso, West Africa, soon after I arrived in the country. And so even though I loved this book and thought, yes, I'm going to through hike, I waited um, another two years till I finished my service. And so Cindy and I met there and I, you know, she seemed game to give it a try. So, um, and I actually found there were a lot of parallels between living in the third world country in Peace Corps to hiking the Appalachian Trail. Um, we were dirty all the time. We thought about food a lot. We were, you know, the easiest things to go without were the amenities, the hot running water, the, you know, access to electricity. Um, so, yeah, we were able to finish that hike together. And then I did, I have done most of my other hiking solo. Um, I, when I started the Pacific Crest Trail, I was on my own, but quickly met other people that I hiked on and off with for most of the trail. In fact, some of my best friends today I met, but I loved the flexibility of being able to, you know, maybe camp on my own one night because I, I just needed some solo time or I could go, you know, hike with a big group when we traveled through the Sierra in 2006, it was a high snow year. So a group of us stayed together, sort of watch out for each other. Um, and then by the time I got to the Continental Divide Trail, I was really looking forward to spending that time by myself. Um, there were other hikers out there. There were maybe 200 of us that year, but I really wanted my hike to be for me. It had been nine years since my last long through hike and I, saw the CDT as my vacation. I wanted, you know, I carried some luxuries like a French press coffee mug and an inflatable pillow, but I also wanted to hike my hike. Um, and that didn't mean I didn't hike with other people. I just really also value that time in nature for me to be totally present and aware of what's going on around me. Sometimes it's easy to get caught up in conversations and miss a trail, miss a turn or water source. And it was just an experience where I was as engaged and aware as I could be during that hike, which I think is 
a key to success as well on the Continental Divide Trail. So coming back from your hikes and kind of integrating back into the normal, you know, society, back to the job and things like that, how how did that go for you? I really discovered after the second long trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, that I just wanted to hike all the time. So I came to this point where I wanted to make my career my passion. So somehow, how can I spend most of my time outside in this place? Can I do this? I was a a graphic design and, and English major in college. And, you know, you can apply those skills to a lot of different um, areas, but I, I decided I'm going to try outdoor leadership. So I moved to Durango, Colorado, and um, went through a training course at the Southwest Conservation Corps to lead trail crews. So I tried that for a season. We did trail work all over the state of Colorado. Then I, um, I moved to Bend, Oregon, where I live now, to work for a wilderness therapy organization. So I led groups of um, teenagers in the high desert hiking and camping and working on, you know, how can nature be an intervention in someone's life. Uh, so I did that for two years. I did some time at Outward Bound. I taught a lightweight backpacking class at a community college, did a little bit of guiding. So through that, I was testing out different job options and what could I do in the outdoors that could fulfill you know, that desire. It's hard to make a living in some of those job choices. Um, I ended up returning to my writing and graphic design for a short while and worked for a publishing company. But during that time, I was really eager to participate in the community, in the backpacking community. So I started a company called Hiker Trash with a friend of mine, Brian Frankel, back in 2014. So this was making designs, screen printing shirts, going to hiking events, and um, selling hats and shirts with some of the proceeds going to support trail organizations. So while I wasn't directly working in the outdoors, I was still participating in some way. Um, I've since sold the company to another hiker friend, but um, it's fun to still see that living, and I still design things here and there for them. So then, you came back, you started living in Bend, and then how did you take that path into working for Onda? Well, um, there's a, there is a good community of long distance hikers here in Bend, and I had been um, friends with another Triple Crown hiker, Sage Clegg, for a while. Um, and another friend of ours, actually, Jeremy Fox, was hired by Onda in 2011. Um, to develop the idea of the Oregon Desert Trail. So um, I was around the start of the effort, um, and then Sage actually volunteered to, to hike, be the first to hike the route in 2013. So it was fun to watch her plan. And at this point, I just thought, yes, that's something I want to hike. It's exciting. It's in my backyard. Um, while she was hiking in 2013, I went out and met her for a couple days and um, just was excited to be around the effort. So when I was hiking the Continental Divide Trail in 2015, I returned to Bend to find that Onda was hiring um, for the next trail coordinator. So Jeremy had moved on. And so he had done a good job of identifying 
where the route should go and putting together the first guidebook and map set. And then Onda basically needed someone to figure out now what. So we have a line, we have some materials. What do we, how does this live? How does this continue? How does this grow? And so I started that fall after returning home from the Continental Divide Trail to work on the Oregon Desert Trail. And really it was an amazing combination of um, all the skills that I've gained over all the years of um, writing and design and outdoor leadership, um, community development. So I spend a lot of time now, uh, of course, hiking. I had to hike it, hiking in Eastern Oregon. I lead trail work trips along sections of the trail. I work with our land management agency partners. Um, I work with, on with volunteers getting them out with the communities to develop the trail culture. And every day is different, but it's all um, really exciting and engaging and challenging. Um, so it's been, it's been a fun ride to figure this out. It's not just your typical um, long distance trail. If it's your first time doing a through hike, it may not be the best choice is from, from what the research I've, I've gathered. So tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, so it's, I think it's an extremely unique um, route. I, even though it's called the Oregon Desert Trail, I refer to it most often as a route um, because it's a combination of um, existing trail, two-track dirt roads, and cross-country gravel. Um, but it's really because it was created by this conservation organization, the Oregon Natural Desert Association, which has been around for over 30 years. And their goal is to protect, defend, and restore the high desert in Eastern Oregon. So they wanted to create a trail to bring awareness to some of the, the conservation successes we've had in this landscape and other priority areas that we're looking to work in. Um, it goes by amazing geological and cultural places. Um, so really to get engaged and understand Eastern Oregon on a deeper level. So um, it's 750 miles, about 10% is trail. So that's not very much trail. Um, I also call it a virtual route because you will not find any trail markers okay. uh, that say Oregon Desert Trail. Um, so what it is, it's, it's really an advanced sort of backpacking experience you need to be familiar with. Um, route finding with map and compass. Of course, GPS is a great tool as well. Um, we have things like a, a water chart and a data book, a guidebook and maps. So we have a set of resources that really need to be referenced all together. Um, it's not something you can zone out and walk for three weeks and still be on track. Even zoning out for a couple hours, you could miss an important water source or an important important turn. But really, I think that level of attention that it takes to be successful is, is a positive thing. And you can, while you're paying close attention to your next water source, you are really observing nature around you. Um, we have pronghorn and sage grouse and a lot of really unique desert plants and animals out there. Some of the largest fault block mountains in the country um, I've also tried to integrate a lot about our public lands in the materials. So while hikers are hiking, they can understand who manages this land, what is it managed for, 
um, what is my role to play in, you know, how it's managed in the future to sort of get hikers engaged with the places that make our, our hikes and routes possible, which is the public land that we have. What really impressed me about um, the organization and your work is the amount of resources that you do have available. You were, you know, talking about the information that you have online at, you know, onda.org. But when I went out there and you're, you know, showing how to plan a trip and there's this, you know, over a hundred page PDF that really goes into detail about the land, about, um, like you were saying about how to get water, um, the native lands that you're going through. And just, uh, it was so comprehensive. I honestly, I felt that was such a benefit. So tell me a little bit about how the, the ANDA has put together all of this information and just the planning of doing that hike. Yeah, well, that's that's what they get for hiring a through hiker. <laughs> so I, um, I I came on, and um, it's definitely been a big change in the resources when I started. Um, we have over 200 PDF map pages, and they were all individual PDFs you had to download and then print individually. Um, but I think having that graphic design background, I immediately okay, let's put these all in four downloads instead of 200 and and then, you know, 2016, the first full year I was working, I went out and hiked the route and made a lot of notes. And so a lot of, I just, I reflected on materials that were useful on other trails, um, what would be helpful, especially in this environment for people to know. Um, so I, and I already came into a nice, robust guidebook and map set. So I was just able to build out from there. And again, just reflecting on past other hikes, what I experienced on the ground. I talked to almost all of the people that had gone out, gotten already gotten, you know, a lot of feedback from them. And I've been constantly sort of refining the route and the materials over the last three and a half years. So how many have hiked the ODT all the way through? Are you keeping track? We do have a list. Yeah, there's a list on, on our website of under the community section in the Oregon Desert Trail, but we have 26 completed through hikes. Ten of those were last year, and we're actually, we're celebrating five years of the trail um, this year. The first materials were released in spring of 2014. So I think five years of a very challenging desert route. I'm quite happy with the with the, with the numbers. And I think this is not something to be taken lightly. And we're actually finding a lot of the hikers that are coming have, have already the, the skills and the experience of backcountry navigation, um, desert travel. So we're getting experienced folks who know how to keep themselves safe. Um, that being said, we have hundreds of people who have gone out for sections. And this is a pretty nice um, trail to section hike. In fact, in 2016, I section hiked it um, simply, you know, directions and season and logistics. Sometimes, you know, there's great water available in the spring that could be more conducive, but we might have snow in some areas that are higher elevation. So by picking your season and doing shorter chunks, you can really optimize, you know, what what you're hiking through when it's when the wildflowers are in bloom or when there's the most water or a particular you know environment that you enjoy 
we have um, an area called Steens Mountain, which is a large glaciated landscape. And if you hike that section in the fall, we have huge aspen groves and the colors are just magnificent. It's also our highest point on the trail at almost 10,000 feet. So you will encounter snow most likely throughout July. Um, so it's, it's nice to sort of pick a section and go out for a week or two. Um, we do have some longer sections of trail as well in the Fremont National Forest. There's almost a 70 mile section of single track where we tie into an existing national recreation trail called the Fremont National Recreation Trail. Um, so there's, there's options for a lot of different users and skill levels. Something I added into the guidebook this year is a skills rating. Oh, and awesome. Thanks, yeah. Um, so the three really difficult aspects of the trail are water availability, navigation and terrain. So I try to qualify the challenges in each section. So folks who are maybe beginners and aren't quite ready to tackle some of the more challenging sections can look through the materials and find, okay, well, this, this is an easier navigation section or it has more water available. Maybe I'll start with this section and, and work up and gain skills to be able to hike the other sections. So speaking of that, what would you recommend from more of a beginner perspective of, of one of the sections that you think beginners would have good success with? Yeah, I think um, section seven and section eight in the trail um, go between several trail communities called Paisley and Lakeview um, over to Plush. And so this is this is part of the National Recreation Trail. So there is tree, there's tree cover, there is water, there are trail towns and resupply options, easy access, there's a number of trailheads. So that, and it's gorgeous. There's some lovely rich walking and views over to some of the drier parts of the desert while you're still on the edge in the forest. Um, so it's a very rewarding section for both beginners and experts because it's so beautiful. Oh, that sounds really nice. Speaking of trail towns, I know you've had to go out and as you've hiked it, also go in and promote the trail within the trail towns and, and things like that. So how has uh, the community welcomed uh, you and in, in the trail? The communities have been have been great. They are we're not used to long distance backpacking traditionally, since there is so little trail in Eastern Oregon. It was a, really a new sport to introduce to these communities. But really, I think the through hikers have been doing a lot of the work themselves because they'll get to town, they'll have two or three or four meals at the local cafe. And a lot of people ask questions and are wondering, who are these crazy people walking <laughs> across the desert? Um, but we've, we've had some really great encounters and folks helping hikers out. Um, we're developing, you know, we, we have a system or a series of folks in the different towns offering help. So we have a town and service guide, which lists, you know, who, who would help with rides or with logistics. There's lots of places that are accepting mail drops. There's everything from small bunk houses to actual hotels. Um, but many of these communities are are extremely small. Um, French Glen has a population of 11 people. So that's a place with, there is a market, but it's available, it's open seasonally. So some of these places, it's always a good idea to, to call and confirm, um, you know, are you gonna be open? <laughs> Just double check 
what do you what kind of food do you carry but um the more and more that folks are going out there the more i'm able to go to the businesses and say you know hikers would really love you know a few more um, healthy food options or this type of fuel um, you know, I'm able to, as they're seeing people come through, help them figure out what, what these folks would want and need. So we're really developing it from the ground up. So the Oregon Natural Desert Association also is, is doing other things, right, to protect the land, you were saying, and, and to promote the good stewardship of land. So can you tell me a little bit about what the organization does beyond the ODT? Yeah, so I would say the Oregon Desert Trail is just one project of many that we're involved with. Um, There are 17 of us here at the organization. We're based in Bend, but we have a Portland office as well. Um, We do a lot of wilderness campaigns. So a couple of the successes over the years, um, in fact, where the Oregon Desert Trail starts is the Oregon Badlands Wilderness. And that was signed into law actually 10 years ago at the end of March. So we're getting ready to celebrate 10 years of that wilderness. Um, There's another wilderness area in Steens called Steens Mountain Wilderness, which we were a big part of getting that protected in 2000. That's actually the first cow-free wilderness in the United States. So we have other wilderness campaigns we're working on. Where the trail ends is in this amazing region called the Owyhee Canyonlands. And so this is 2.5 million acres that is fairly, um, well, it's very remote. There's one paved road that crosses that entire area. And because it's so remote, it's, it's been fortunate, you know, to be pretty much left alone. It's very rich and diverse wildlife and habitat, but it doesn't have permanent protection. So we're working with, you know, local leaders and our lawmakers here in Oregon to to protect that area. And there's several others throughout the high desert. We lead about 40 stewardship trips a year. So of those five, I lead focus mostly on trail, but we have riparian restoration efforts. We remove fence that's blocking important wildlife corridors. Um, We have some big pronghorn migration areas So we remove obsolete fence that may have been um, up for different ranching purposes over the years. We do, we work closely with land management agencies. So there's a variety of projects with that. And then we have, um, we do things within the context of the law and planning. So we go through and participate in land management um, planning processes. Um, We're involved in, you know, trying to hold our agencies accountable to, you know, protect for conservation measures for sage grass. Sage grass is a is a topic right now that's on many people's mind. We have a lot of priority areas for that greater sage grass throughout the high desert. And that sage grass is an important indicator for the whole health of the ecosystem. So it's the canary in the coal mine. So that's one particular species we're very um, we're working very hard to protect. And in looking out at the events that Onda puts on, I mean, there's a, just a variety of different things out on the website of, to be able to, you know, whether it's 
um, getting new volunteers or putting on forums and training, like the Wildlands uh, monitoring training. I've just, you know, noticed that. And I thought so many things of just helping to enable people and and enrich the knowledge base of the communities out there. So how do you feel like that's been received? Yeah, we do. There's quite a bit of outreach going on and we find there's there's just so much desire for that and thirst for more, um, which is fantastic to see. So people are wanting to engage with us on these issues and wanting to get involved. And we launch our, our whole calendar of stewardship trips at the end of February and almost all of them fill up the first week. It's just, there's incredible demand out there. So we're trying to, you know, focus on doing what we do well and, and doing it even better. And, you know, with that, hopefully growing the list of opportunities we can offer, but also realizing we, we offer a lot as it is. And are we, you know, doing them the best that we can, but it helps that we have Uh, folks up in Portland and so we do a lot to engage that side of Oregon Um, yeah so but we're always looking for new ways to partner and innovate and um, it's exciting because there's a lot of flexibility and freedom to have an idea and figure out how to make it happen um, which I really enjoy that so if people want to volunteer what's the best way to be able to volunteer to do something to support ONDA? Yeah, we have a variety of volunteer options, everything from those those trips in the field, planting willows and and cottonwood. So those are listed on our website under stewardship trips. We have volunteer opportunities in our office. If you're local in Oregon, we have events that we put on around the state, um, sometimes in Washington and Idaho and California, but we focus primarily on Oregon. Um, But yeah, just take a a look through our website. I have definitely things that people can do if they're hiking and want to give back and participate in some way. There's a list of conservation items you could do along the trail. Um, So if you are looking to go out and give give back a little bit, we're starting to monitor for impacts, like our, our hikers having an impact on the land really we want to we want to prevent prevent impacts especially where we don't have trail and make sure we're not negatively you know stressing the wildlife so there's there's little things that um if you're interested in engaging with get in touch and we can give you a few tasks to do on your hike all right well i will definitely put all the links in the show notes as well to have you know listeners know how they can get involved and connect with you and connect with anda so you said this year is the fifth anniversary of the odt so so anything else like special planned in regards to things in 2019 for the trail uh 2019 is well, I've been working on these updates that we've mentioned for the last couple of years. So that was a big part of this um, celebrating being done with <laughs> these overdue updates. Um, so that that's that's great. Now I'm I'm eager to hear you know the feedback and folks going out and traveling and and how how is everything going? It's definitely a continual conversation, I would say, rather than we're just outputting this stuff. I love hearing feedback. 
Um, we're really, you know, the trail work we're doing, this is the third year we've been doing work on many sections of trail. What trail we have hasn't been maintained at, uh, in, well, there's no record, honestly. There, our agencies had no record of trail maintenance, so we're making a big dent, and that's really satisfying to see you know, year after year, we're coming back and we're, we got a couple more miles done, a couple more miles. Um, so just celebrating the, the little successes and, and hoping to help more hikers get out this year and, and enjoy the high desert. And what about for you? Do you have any hikes in, um, in 2019 that you're looking forward to? Well, I'll, I like to get out and do sections um, of the Oregon Desert Trail. Uh, don't have anything, any large hiking plans this year. I definitely want to hike every trail there is, which might be unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think the next long trail I'd love to do is the Pacific Northwest Trail. Um, there's also an Oregon Coast Trail. Oh, wow. um, it won't, that would be it won't beautiful. Be, yes. Uh, it won't be this year for me, but I hope, you know, that's the beauty of the 100-mile trails. You can you can hike that in a week, and um, you can, you know, cross some of the shorter hikes or the areas you haven't visited yet off your list. But I won't stop hiking anytime soon. All right. Well, it was great to chat with you today and learn more about the Oregon Desert Trail and then also what Onda's doing out there to support the trail and so many other things. Uh, that the organization does. What's the best way for people to reach out to just go to the website? Yes, yeah, the um, ONDA website has quite a bit of information. If you're looking to just target the Oregon Desert Trail, you can go to onda.org backslash Oregon Desert Trail. Um, and yes, there's lots of links to contact information to um, the website is quite extensive, so I encourage you to take a look around, and if you still have questions, please reach out. Well, thanks again, Renee. I appreciate our time together. Yeah, thank you, Lori, and thanks for your interest. So thanks again for listening to my conversation with Renee today. I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you learned more about Onda and the Oregon Desert Trail, and maybe we'll find yourself out there either section hiking or contemplating, you know, completing a through hike, which as she had said, only 26 people have done so far. Let me know your thoughts about the episode. Hit me up on social media. Look at my show notes for links to get in touch. See you on the trail.